Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Fembot can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the Hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and we'll be with you for the next hour talking about all the stories that grabbed our attention this week. Particularly gender neutral clothing, would you wear it? Upskirting and why it absolutely needs to be illegal. And we'll be joined by Ruby Warrington, founder of The Numinous and author of Material Girl Mystical World, talking all things magic and mystic, our favourite topics. But uh, we're starting off, as ever, with our news review, which is the stories that have grabbed our attention this week. Nat, what, are you, what have you got this week? Gender-neutral clothing. Um, so John Lewis started, I, I, I think, a big social media conversation on this when they announced that they were removing boys' and girls' labels in, in their clothes and within store. They were just putting all of the collections together. They hadn't quite made it online. And then there was a, another story where a secondary school made their uniform gender-neutral. So East Sussex School says girls must now wear tra- trousers and a new and this new policy will ensure uh, transgender pupils feel included. Now, you can see both sides of this. When we were talking about this before, I was like, but why why just not allow skirts? And that means boys can wear skirts too. Why remove the skirts? Is the, It's almost removing the feminine. And rightly so, you guys were like, but skirts are just impractical. For a five-year-old, they don't need to be in skirts. They really don't. I remember running around the playground, your skirts, you've got your socks falling down. If it's winter, you've got your tights on. Actually, when you're at school, you're just there to work. I like the idea of kind of taking the what do you look like out of it and just making everyone completely the same. Um, I, so I'm a big fan of it. I also really love John Lewis's move on the gender-neutral clothing. Did you see there was a brilliant tweet about it? Um, this woman saying, all these people that are complaining that John Lewis is trying to make your kids gender-neutral, they're not making your kids gender-neutral. <laughs> they're just making dinosaur prints gender-neutral. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly We all want it. a dinosaur print, don't we? <laughs> I mean, why stop at kids? Someone tweeted that, didn't they? <laughs> Emma, would you buy gender-neutral clothing? Should we stop at kids? Should we have it for adults too? Yeah, we, t- we totally should. Um, I'm always buying 10-year-old boy t-shirts. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. She's always like, look at my new top, look at yeah. my new top. It's uh, 
because they have more, more interesting prints and like you know if my niece didn't live in Australia I'd be buying her like boys t-shirts to wear all the mm-hmm. time because there's just some of them more interesting I just think you know we should we shouldn't be defining people when you look at the sections you, you do find a complete pink aisle for girls and it's just it just needs to stop let kids be kids let's not like define them by what they're wearing and what they've got printed on their t-shirts you know my caveat to adult gender neutrality is uh, I need merchandise stores so if you're going to put male female clothes together and just say actually buy whatever you want please keep them within sections so capri pants and t-shirts and essentials because i would find it really difficult to shop at pace i like to go in see what i want hold it up yes it fits out out but that's it we'd have to have a whole lexicon of different clothing styles and cuts and i have no idea like but I think we came up with a solution, right? Which was that you could look at the prints, you look at the fabric, and then you go, you can have the fabric in any of these styles. Yes, yes I love like that. Like with sofas. So right. we're going to set up a fashion business now, are we, ladies? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, or we'll just hand that idea out to the universe, and any of you can Somebody do it. Somebody make it happen and just credit us. Yeah, yes. that'd be useful. <laughs> Listeners, anyone with I'm sure any someone's doing that already. I'm sure, right? <laughs> Hopefully. It's so clever. Like, we can't be the cleverest. <laughs> or we can. Or we can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so our second story this week... Um, Um, Women's health. Emma, what is it? This is a really important story, actually. So the UK doctors have been issued with the first guidance on endometriosis. Now, um, I think this is really important. So endometriosis is a really horrible condition where your uh, womb grows outside your womb and can attach onto your internal organs, cause all sorts of pain, really, really bad symptoms every month and I know friends who've really suffered I have a friend who's actually got post-traumatic stress disorder because she took eight years to be diagnosed with this and the pain the fatigue she didn't know what was wrong with her Um, so I this is really important one in ten women suffer from endometriosis so this is super important and when they're talking about new guidelines is that about how doctors address it or is it you know just giving women different things because I feel like I don't know about you now but I feel like the emphasis has to be on the doctors to kind of understand it and be able to recognize it sooner i agree so uh, typically and i think this goes for a lot of conditions that uh, basically only only women experience you have to go to your doctor and say i'm feeling all of these things and they it's up to them to sort of help you figure it out and if they're just not aware because there isn't guidance and there isn't guidance on you know the the benefits of taking medication or lifestyle changes you just don't really know how to move forward so i think this is a great step i think this is a great step in the right direction i'm sure there are lots of other conditions that we need first time guidance on um and i also think that women should be more vocal because this isn't a condition that i experienced so i i wouldn't know what to do if if I had a friend and she, and she was having, going through an episode. Yeah, how, how can we make this better for women? What are the things that we can all do, but specifically the NHS? I think going back to your doctor, so I know somebody else who's been having some various you know, gynecological issues and she's had lots of diagnosis where they've gone, well, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm. But now she's looking at alternative um, measures and she wants to just go and get some like hormone tests, for instance. Yeah. And you know, she's like, oh, but I just can't go back to my doctor again. It's so embarrassing. I've been back. They're going to be like, oh, you again. I was like, you need to not care about that. This is all about you getting the treatment and, and helping your health out so I do think we need to like you know be a bit badass and go I might have been to the doctors 20 times but I'm going to keep going back but is it that thing where you know and we've all done it you've googled your symptoms and Google has said you're you know, <laughs> Never 24 done hours away from death <laughs> but this is where I think the in the US they've got it right because people have you know they have their therapist they have their gynecologist uh, gynecologist they have you know their specialist that they go to so if you're feeling that there's not there's something wrong in that area you go and see a specialist and you get it sorted out whereas here 
we go to a GP and we're relying on them to be the expert in everything and it's just not possible and it's not fair on them. So I I personally, I'm trying to take my own health in my own hands and, and, and find specialists and pay yeah, for it where I have to. That's it. And what I would do quite often is if I don't fit, if I want fast tracking a diagnosis, I did this recently and I just pay to see a private uh, specialist yeah. and then you get answers. You can see somebody literally, I got in that day. But then also if you do realise that you've got nothing majorly serious, you can then go back into the NHS system and wait a bit longer. But I would really advocate that like if you can. That is the I mean, that is a choice, right? That's a choice. You've got to be in a position where you can do that. For sure. Would is another solution maybe looking at actually how can GP surgeries maybe train up so they have a GP who is a specialist in women's issues or in gynecological issues so that I feel like it's an area that has been ignored for so long that actually now trying to expect everyone to become an expert on it overnight is just taking it too far. We actually need to start saying, let's section it out. Let's help people become, get really in depth about it. Or do we, or do back. we just have to take more ownership of our health? Mm-hmm. Because I think it's it's very yeah. difficult, especially with endo, because of the symptoms that you do have. And I think that it's about us pushing for our care to be seen by specialists, to not take no for an answer, to mm. ask for a second opinion. You know, I think GPs are there. They are a filter system. They're trying to make sure that, you know, people get treatment. And I think they send you away and they send you away and they see how many times you come back to gauge how serious you are. So I think it's about us taking responsibility ourselves to really push hard for the treatment we need. For once, I'm not taking sides. I'm going to suggest <laughs> happy halfway medium <laughs> how are you in that we we own our, our 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 health and we understand we have our own patient records and this is one case where i say let's have an app where you have all of your patient data but actually the specialist services that are focused at the moment on sexual health mm-hmm. that should be more broader to cover women's health and you can go in and you can see the people that that have specialist knowledge that can give you the right care because it's not always medication it is other things we used to have well women clinics yeah they still exist or not i don't know does anyone know how do we still have them have you been to one let us know you can find us on twitter at badass women's hours endometriosis is something you suffer from what would you like to see gps doing how could they help you tell us at badass women's hour and we will hopefully be able to kind of get the message out there a bit more Uh, our final score story this week is about something called upskirting, which, when I say it, has a fairly jolly tone to it. It sounds a bit like something from the 1970s, doesn't it? Sort of like Let's go from... upskirting as a weekend. Yes, a bit Benny Hill, a bit, oh, jolly jolly. No, it is this horrendous trend of people using their mobile phones to take pictures of women's vaginas by just angling them up their skirts. It's mental. But the thing that I didn't realise is it's also totally legal. It's completely legal for somebody to do that to you on public transport. It's crazy. And now, finally, there has been a petition saying that this has to go to court and it has to be... We have to make this illegal. And hopefully, MPs are now starting to debate it. But I was really shocked when I read this story because I could not believe it wasn't already illegal. Well, I yeah, I can't believe it's taken... No. 65,000 people signed this petition for it to be taken seriously and it's for me it's kind of been a normal normal thing like how many times have you opened a newspaper or like those sort of like gossip mags and they had the upskirt pictures like it yeah. was kind of normal so it's, it's a- really interesting because you said that when we were talking about this earlier and I was like oh my gosh of yeah. course that's where it's yeah. come from it's completely normal for paparazzi to like get down on the ground yeah. so that when a woman gets out of a car they're taking a picture of that yeah, yeah. it's just weird it's one of those weird things that I just go 
what? So I'd never heard of it. And then as soon as you talked about the paparazzi thing, I was like, oh my goodness, yes. And then I thought, so when you were saying this, I was like, but no, surely this is um, some kind of bodily harassment charge. And you're saying, no, there is nothing that covers this. And if someone did that to me and posted it on social media, I would be trying to prosecute them because they have violated my privacy, my body. They haven't touched me, but there is a definite violation. So this needs to be debated and changed in the same way that we've now got uh, revenge porn laws. For me, it fits within that whole space. It's not revenge. It's just you're an absolute a-hole, whoever did this, and you're doing it for no reason, but you're still showing the the same body part. And likewise, if I punch you in the face, I need to not be prosecuted for that because it's it's self-defense so i need someone to work out the laws I think we should all so do i don't have to go to Just jail never have a bikini whack so when they do get a shot <laughs> they get a really good shot <laughs> taking sorry, mm. taking back control one pubic hair at a time so, uh, that's our news roundup for this week but we are going to be talking now to ruby warrington founder of the numinous and author of material girl mystical world Emma and Matt completely lost it about bikini waxing. What can I say? Um, talking about that, about actually whether we are all moving towards becoming more spiritual. Looking around this room, I don't think so. Uh, but she'll be up here with us next, coming up in a few minutes. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. We can muster in a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Mint. I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And we are also this week joined by Ruby Warrington, founder of The Numinous and author of Material Girl Mystical World. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Thank you for having me. So Ruby, for people who don't know, because I'm a big fan of The Numinous, but for people who don't, tell us what it is and how you came to found it. So The Numinous is an online magazine and event series that I founded in 2013. Um, And I I usually say it covers everything new age, but updated for the now age. Because the way I see it, the new age that kind of like came in in the 60s and brought with it the initial kind of interest in the West of things like yoga, meditation, astrology, all of these esoteric, mystical subjects is is now we're actually living now in this new age this new era of connectivity of globalization of um kind of self-awareness that that was kind of like coming through in the 60s so i cover everything mystical (laughs) but through a really kind of like modern lifestyle lens i use a lot of humor i make everything look really beautiful because i really feel like these tools are actually more and more important and more and more useful for people and they all it all just needed a bit of an image upgrade as far as i was concerned and it is a very beautiful very lifestyle driven site like i always read it and I feel like oh like it's just kind of enriched by it um how did you get into because it is new agey and mm. we all have that moment where we go actually yeah I am a bit of a hippie at heart <laughs> how did you know you'd hit that point <laughs> thank you for confessing that and coming out of the spiritual closet way out. um okay great oh, I'll tell you about the things I've done out of the closet yeah I love it um, I think, I, you know, I, I'd always been fascinated by astrology ever since I was a little kid. I mean, I think most kids love, like, believe in magic, right? We all yeah. do. We all have imaginary friends and we all play with the fairies at the end of the garden. And <laughs> we kind of get taught that that's, A, not really very cool, not very practical, not going to get us the kind of...
kind of job that we want and actually not very realistic. So we sort of sit on all of that, like pack all of that away into a little box, I think, a lot of the time. Um, but I'd always been fascinated with astrology as part of that. And I found myself about five, six years ago, um, kind of in my dream job and everything was going great on paper and yet inside I was just feeling really unfulfilled and and realized that I would would probably benefit from having some kind of a passion project and as soon as I did any sort of like self-inquiry as to well what could that be astrology was the first thing that came up for me it's like I'd love to actually learn more about this I'm so interested in it everyone thinks it's a little bit weird and woo-woo they used to call me (laughs) mystic ruby in the office where I worked but at the same time always wanted to know when mercury was in retrograde and those kinds of things (laughs) that is the one thing everyone needs to know we all just came out yeah just came out on the 5th of September (laughs) yeah Yes, everything was aligned skills. all the communication <laughs> everything on, right? yeah exactly i mean <laughs> when you work in communications for a living you yes. really feel it <laughs> exactly um anyhow i i i realized I, I kind of started um my sort of astrological studies and very quickly coming from my backgrounds in journalism and magazines coming from that kind of a background realized there wasn't any kind of publication that was treating these subjects seriously a yeah. and b presenting them in a really beautiful accessible and sort of fun way and decided that maybe I would have a go at that. Amazing. And Mm. how has it gone? Because it seems to be taking (laughs) off, yeah? (laughs) You interview quite a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, and I'm sure everybody says that whenever something looks like, oh, this thing's just happened. It's been this overnight success. <laughs> like, slog. Yeah, okay. This has been like five years of nose to the grindstone, like yeah. finally kind of like inching my way into getting where I want it to be. But at the same time, it's been the most brilliant project because it's so aligned with what I believe and what excites me and what lights me up. And yeah, I was just um, saying to somebody in your green room, you know, I've been on the road for the past sort of three, four weeks. And she was like, oh, is it all stuff to do with your book? And I was like, kind of like just my life now like (laughs) everything I do is work and everything in my life is part of my work and it's all combined which definitely comes with its pressures in terms of feeling like you're always on Mm. but at the same time I always find myself taking a step back and going but this is the kind of this is every day I get to do exactly what I want to do and exactly what I feel passionately about and of course there are huge challenges that come with that but they're so it's so fulfilling when they're challenges that I've created for myself. You know? How do you explain that to other people? Because some people, when you say, actually, I don't have, there's no life balance. It's just it's yeah. just life, and things just happen. And my professional friends are just my friends. You know, there's it's all one thing, and they're a bit like, oh, but I don't understand. How do you how do you explain that to them? I'm still sort of trying to get my head around it myself. I think we live in such a or we've come we've come up in such a paradigm of work and play, and mm. there being this kind of separation between. Friday night it's tools down into the pub and then resume work again on Monday and I think that's really particularly in the past 10 years if not less been breaking down quite rapidly because of the advent of social media technology we all have the tools now to be able to create careers for ourselves if we want to Um, or if we have the um, the sort of um, ability to do so I suppose and I don't know so I think it's a big learning curve for me as well I I find myself on holiday quote unquote (laughs) replying to emails getting really kind of like oh I'm meant to be on holiday and then I'm like but holidays don't mean the same thing to me at all anymore they just don't so how do I explain I'm still trying to work it out myself I'm afraid do you ever know what day it is we didn't know what day it was yesterday we were like is it Monday Thursday Saturday no idea my husband has a very corporate job and is very much still nine to five and I we definitely still have a bit of a Friday night throwdown and kind of like ah into the weekend you know (laughs) nice so yes I do I yeah I still keep quite I'm still quite structured and I think that's another thing 
as an entrepreneur, I think as much as life is very free form and the, the work life thing kind of all merges into one, having structure is essential and actually giving yourself time to know this is the, the hour I'm doing yoga. It might be like midday on a Tuesday yeah. when everyone else is at work and I'm doing yoga, but it's still having that time set aside that's for me and like Sundays I never schedule anything on a Sunday yeah you know I was just gonna ask you that's my next question do you have any kind of spiritual kind of rituals that you incorporate into your life I know I have my, on my own in terms of like I'll read my star signs every day I'll draw goddess cards mm-hmm. like I have little little my little moments of spirituality I just wonder what you kind of do I do have you got things that you do regularly yes uh well meditation is a big one and I don't know if you've spoken about that much on this show but it took me a long time to find a regular meditation practice and it was always like this kind of should as Mm. someone working in the spirituality space it's like you should med I should meditate and I always found it so so hard and could never find a practice that stuck and then I finally learned transcendental meditation which is a mantra based meditation and I avoided it because it's the one that you have to do you're supposed to do it twice a day for 20 minutes and I was like this is like never no way I can't even sit for five minutes (laughs) doing regular meditation (laughs) But it's the one that did stick as it's just easier. And I actually, every day without fail, before anything else, will do my 20 minutes morning meditation. And I just find it's it's really, it's it's mystical in the way that it seems to just buy me some extra time. And I think it's because I start my day now from this place of responsiveness versus reactivity. Mm. I feel like I've kind of given myself the headspace before I even start the day to be able to respond to what's coming in rather than just kind of like react. And that's so empowering, you know. I really feel like I'm making my choices always from a place that serves me, um, which could sound a bit selfish maybe, but I'm also all for cultivating what I call a sense of healthy, higher selfishness. Mm, Yeah, (laughs) Making decisions that are in your best interests because you know that by filling yourself up in that way and by getting what you need, you're going to be able to show up in the world that way that you really want to and the way that the world needs you to. So, So meditation is one. Um, I also really try and I run something called Moon Club, which is an online. <gasps> oh my god! Are you a member? That is signing oh, up instantly. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, 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 I love sing this reaction. The moon. So I, oh, I, I sing. It's just the moon. The moon. Like Don't the moon. laugh. The Thank moon. you. No, this is huge. Me and the moon. It's like the full me and the moon. moon. <laughs> when it glows, like I have yes. moments with the moon, and it's like I'm thankful. I'm alive. Oh. Like the glare and the glow. Right. Okay. I was saying this before you came in, which is why H is laughing. She's like this Because we had the Pisces full moon this week, and I think two people. So my friend this morning overslept. Why he couldn't come to meet me, and my friend last night over, like went for a nap and overslept, so didn't come to this event I was hosting. And Pisces is the sign of kind of dreams and sleep mm. and just kind of like merging reality and and sort of. And I'm like, two people overslept and couldn't meet me yeah. in the light of this Pisces full moon. It makes absolute sense. But anyway, Moon Club is an online sort of spiritual mentorship program for young women, and our aim is to really make these kind of spiritual empowerment tools more accessible we we realized my partner Alexandra and I that living in cities like New York and she's based in LA we have access to all of these incredible teachers and workshops and conversations and communities whereas for a lot of people that's just if you're the person who's into tarot in your little town in Texas yeah like you're probably not going to find that many people you can talk to about it and so we um we meet online for moon rituals um, twice a month and then coaching sessions and we do workshops and things. And since launching that, I've really started living my life by the lunar months 
versus the oh calendar months. <laughs> so I I, th- I actually think of, of, of my life and my schedule and plans in terms of e- when each new moon starts rather than the first of the month. Oh. And that just feels so... Like, I just feel like I've aligned myself with the pulse of the planet in the a way. Universe. Do you know what I mean? Yes, the universal that. alignment. And I think, up. especially as women, I know you were talking yeah. about endometriosis earlier, and I think that just even being more connected to our wombs and our cycles yeah. on a kind of like mental, intellectual level can help get more in touch with ways that we can nurture and look after our bodies. And I think as women, just the, even thinking about women's empowerment, like if we're not connected to our bodies and listening to our bodies first and foremost we're never going to be able to really like take over and lead as we know that the world really needs us to right now I love that (laughs) hallelujah I love it. <laughs> so you do also have a book out at the I moment. Do. Material Girl, Mystical World. Yes. We've got the right way. Yes. yes. Uh, tell us about the book very quickly and how you kind of came to write it. So the book is, I call it, it's kind of a, cro- it's Sex in the City meets Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's based on my website, The Numinous, um, and it covers, it's sort of an introduction to all of the subjects I cover on the site, but through the lens of my often hilarious, excruciating, emotional, vulnerable, weird experiences kind of experimenting with and incorporating all these things into my life what is the weirdest thing you've done in the woo woo world because I've got some good ones what's the, what's the one you roll out as your story well I do talk about going to my first seance and that was and actually it wasn't that weird in but there's the build up to it I was so afraid of like all these demons that were going to come yeah. and try and possess me yeah. and like because there's such a there's so much fear that's been built up around these yeah. subjects particularly when it comes to psychic phenomenon and intuition we automatically go to horror movies and things and actually it wasn't scary at all it was just amazing how we were taught in this experience that um spirit the universe whatever is giving us messages all the time in terms of feelings sounds things we might see in our mind's eye things we might hear just even little ideas or bits of knowing we might and the woman who was leading it was kind of teaching us to recognize those when they came in and actually feed back to other people in the circle I just got this. Does this mean anything to you? And we were interpreting all the signs and things. And it was wow. so fascinating. <laughs> Amazing. So fascinating. I love it. <laughs> so Fabulous Ruby, it's going to stay with us for our Badass Balls Ups, our problem page yeah, section. Yeah, sure. Send us some of your wisdom. <laughs> um, and that is coming up next. We're going to be talking about furnishing your new house. I'm going to be talking about that, basically. <laughs> um, how to give a killer presentation and how to recruit more women when you're in a man-only company. Stay tuned. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we also have the fabulous Ruby Warrington in the studio with us as well. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for staying. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) So it's that part of our show where we try and use our combined wisdom nearly, uh, no, not nearly, definitely over (laughs) 100 years. Definitely over 100 years of mistakes made and lessons not learned uh, to help you with your problems. Uh, But this week we're actually going to start by helping me. You lot are going to help me Um, because I'm about to buy a house. Woo! Woo well done. Fingers well, crossed. Yeah, that's amazing. Fingers crossed. I mean, it is. It's. It's a rabbit hutch, but I'm still very excited. <laughs> um, and I've been saving and saving and saving for it. And I finally put down my deposit and it's all going through. And then I've realized I'm paying fees here and fees mm. there. And I've got to pay some service charge. And, and all my money has gone. So I'm about to move into this flat uh, with myself and some books. And that's it. <laughs> Nothing else. Because <laughs> I've been renting for 20 years. So yeah. how do I furnish this apartment with no money? Ideas, please. Go oh. for it. Nat, what do you think? So I think you should visit a few vintage antique places. and But not the, not the high-end ones. This, so there's one in Wilsdon Green. It's been there for years. It looks like a step toes yard. But my friend went there and she said there are some absolute gems there. And maybe find a couple of pieces that you like that you're not paying any more than 20 quid for that just add a bit of personality. And you were talking about the sort of style that you're looking for. And I think you could find sort of something, you know, brassy. 1960s sex pad. That's what Basically, I'm Basically, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to, you know, okay, you said it. 1960s sex pad. I think you could find some similar things there that just add some 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 trinkets. And then, you know, I... I I my flat's IKEA all over, so I'm I'm not adverse to just going to IKEA and just getting a hundred quid sofa just so you can settle in and then live in it for a little while before you splash out on something big. Ruby, mm. your background was all about style and design. Mm. Are there kind of key things to look for or to pull in that's going to make it feel a bit more like a home and less like a box? Well, firstly, I want to say, have you checked out Free Cycle? I don't know. Does Ooh, it exist? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it I mean, yeah. I'm yeah. all about the recycling. In fact, this that's... year I've done a pledge where I'm only buying secondhand and vintage clothing mm. as a bit of a statement about the oh, like the cool. overproduction of the fast fashion fashion industry but anyway another subject but I think free cycle I just love the idea of this kind of sharing economy also kind of like coming into homewares and things like that you might find some really cool things but I would also of course say do invest in a couple of key crystals yeah (laughs) to amplify the good vibes you know should I be investing in well you know what I really love you can get these like quartz crystal kind of things that you hang in your windows like quartz crystal um 
prisms Ooh. and so you hang them in your window when the sun shines in they make rainbows all over <gasps> your room oh my god I'm getting those yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay this list to next month Ems <laughs> um, so you're a designer what are the kind of designer tips because your house is beautiful do you know what I'm a graphic designer so we have a brief I interior design is not my thing because there's too much choice so mm. when I got my house I didn't have a lot of money at all and I literally I just went cheap and then my mentality was just get your house kitted out with the basics and then upgrade later because things around the house are quite expensive and it takes quite a while to pull together your look Mm. I definitely the challenge that I had was that I actually end up I bought this sofa that wasn't comfy it was cheap but I like the style of it consequently I don't think I really used my lounge for 12 years because (laughs) every time I sat on it I slid off the sofa so I would say invest in a good sofa and invest in a good bed and then everything else I feel like get cheap and upgrade as you go okay I'll take that on board anyone else (laughs) any other tips do tweet us at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour and let us know or if you have a green velvet sofa you'd like to get rid of (laughs) that's what I'm looking for right now Um, now what have you got for this week this comes from Melody via LinkedIn and she says I have to give a presentation to the board in a few weeks it's my first time presenting what our team has delivered um, and I want the board to be impressed and remember me I'm also aware that they see a lot of rather dry presentations so I'd I'd like them to enjoy mine how do I use humour or visuals to bring it to life Emma Mm. this is your key subject Mm. right yeah it is my key subject having to design agency we do this a lot and I work with King's College on their accelerator to help their startups with their pitch decks but I would say I think sometimes you can go okay I don't want to do a dry presentation or I'll add humor most presentations the secret to the success is getting into the minds of your audience and what do they need to hear and having a level of clarity Mm. so you could have just a very concise well communicated um, presentation and you will engage that audience better than if you give them this really humorous presentation that they still come away going well it was funny it made me laugh but I still don't know what they were talking about yep. so there's a nice little exercise you can do where you just get into the you you sit down and you just think about your audience what do they want to think feel and do what do you want them to take away what are they going to care about and you craft the presentation around that and then in the terms of the way it looks I would Anything that's on your screen, people will be reading and they don't listen to you. Mm. So remember that and either make it work for you or completely take as much as you can off the deck. Use builds like sometimes, I mean, I'll, I'll have writing on text as, a, as my prompt, but just be aware of that. So I wouldn't necessarily go straight to humor. I'd really think about if that's a board level presentation, you can wow them just by being simple, thinking about your storytelling, being concise, communicating well. Uh, Ruby, as in kind of moving into this entrepreneurial world, you suddenly have to tell everybody what you do in a really brief and concise way all the time. What have you learned about being able to communicate that? Well, I've come up with quite a few different sound bites over the years. And I think one thing has been not trying to attach too much to like one sound bite about what I do and actually allowing it to evolve as my project evolves and I evolve and not really worrying too much about confusing people in that way Um, on the humour tip I am a big fan of humour and I definitely think it certainly makes all the subjects I cover a bit more accessible Mm. Um, but agree not necessarily put it in in with the information if you're giving a serious presentation maybe a kind of like little joke about yourself as you're introducing yourself and I also think I mean the other thing about being an entrepreneur and running my own businesses I've had to do a lot of public speaking which has never been my favorite thing wait hold on is it anyone's favorite no, thing? no. <laughs> number so, one bit <laughs> so the past year and a half actually has been a huge learning curve for me in that and I do think that just even like 
a couple of minutes on your own beforehand to do some proper deep breathing into your belly just to kind of really like center yourself before you go in never goes amiss yeah I think that's really true and I think when we're talking about humor we can so often think we've got to be funny actually if you are a fun energetic enthusiastic person people will take the same energy away from it as if you'd thrown in half of a stand-up routine yeah and be much much better now when you're you're on lots of boards when people present to you do you roll your eyes when they try and be funny no so my frustration is that people they just don't focus on trying to engage they haven't done the research they don't know who's sitting around the table so they, they spat out all of the stuff that they want to say and they're not thinking what is it that i need to hear and that's my frustration. And if someone starts on there, this I'm just telling you everything that I need to say, I will stop them and be like, okay, you've got 15 minutes. The board needs to make a decision on these three things. Give me the information that enables me to make that decision. So that's the homework that I would say you need to go and do. What is it that you need that the board need to know? What your three key messages? I like a photo, so I will have the whole vis- the whole slide as an image. And maybe that image carries some humor and one word as a prompt. I'm personally I don't put lots of words on my slides but if you need them then have them um but I think yeah going in and knowing exactly what it is that they need to hear is key fabulous okay our final question for this week Emma what is it yeah this is a good one this is actually from one of our male listeners we do have what 14 percent male listeners oh this is a guy called Alfie and he was like I wonder if you can help me uh he runs a he's kind of the MD of a creative agency and historically they've had a big reputation for having quite a bro culture majority of men they're quite small there's like 10 of them uh, but they really want to change that Alfie's doing some big stuff in terms of like rethinking that has a massive awareness around that bro culture but he said now we want to try and you know we want to attract more diversity in terms of our hiring process but people are just not applying for the jobs um, what can we do to kind of change the reputation of the agency and stop being seen as such a a kind of bro culture which you know we're we're very conscious of now so for me i remember when i was working um working with the guardian their tech department really wanted to hire more women and they showed some really interesting things about that so they learned that actually when they did interviews if the only people that interviewed you were Mm -hmm. men the women were not going to take the job even like you know no matter what they just weren't interested so that's one thing think about how you mirror that and the other one was that actually if they had gone out and met these women in kind of social situations beforehand they were more likely to want to apply so if they'd met them at kind of a tech networking event or if they'd been on a panel together or if they'd invited them in to speak at um like one of their kind of monday meetings so actually how can you bring the women into the organization before you hire them so can they get them in to present about something Mm -hmm. can they get them in to kind of have a kind of mixer or something think about how you can bring them in so know who you are first and then try and hire them um but the bro culture is something you have to sort out because there's no point hiring a load of women mm. into a bro culture because they're just going to leave. Yeah, and that's yeah. what's fascinating now. Everyone's having this unconscious bias training and they're all aware of diversity and inclusion. But it's like, actually, if you're not an appealing organisation, you can have all the unconscious bias you've got, but you're not going to get the talent applying for a job regardless. So, yeah. Ruby, what would you suggest? Is this something? Well, it's very interesting. I've always, coming from a background in fashion magazines and now the in- the industry that I mainly work yeah. in, this kind of wellness industry, is kind of like, 90% female <laughs> plus I yeah. suppose I actually had one job working in an all-male team in um, on a, 
a newspaper for the financial industries here in the yeah. UK and it was the worst job I've ever had because it was that very bro-y kind of you know just lots of yeah. very loud ignorant jokes lots of posturing um, and I and I felt actually very bullied by that environment as well and I left after nine months didn't stick around <laughs> yeah. so it's not really something I've had much experience of I'm on the flip side trying actively to find more male voices to to kind of use on my platform and again it's a question of actually reaching out to people talking to them explaining what it is we do why we'd like more male voices why there should why there needs to be more of a balance and just kind of presenting it as like the reasons why he wants to have more of a balance I think would be really interesting for his potential employees to hear yeah so they feel welcomed I think that's a great point actually because so often it can feel like we want to hire a woman because we want a woman exactly actually what do you actually want what do you think's going to change tone in the workplace do you want a different kind of quality to the projects you're working on like what sort of feminine qualities do you want to encourage in the workplace Mm. Mm. good points now what do you think is there anything they can do that would recruit you (laughs) <laughs> she's unemployable million pounds, a million pounds please no I was going to say everything that you said li- literally as you said mixer that I had mixer in my head so exactly the same but I would also encourage Alfie to think one step further in terms of diversity so um, you know is your office accessible actually if someone uh, if a disabled person applied for a job would they even be able to make it to the interview um, do you have any black people in your organization do you have any Asian people in your organization do you know about the socioeconomics of the people that work in your organization if everyone's been to Oxbridge then you're getting groupthink. Uh, you don't have diversity of thought and therefore you're not then delivering for your clients because you're not giving them a broad spectrum of ideas and concepts and all of the wonderful things that come with having a, a truly diverse workforce so have a think about that Mm. great points well that's our advice for this week if you take it and it works for you let us know we always love a bit of feedback it's good t- advice this week it was mm, good advice yeah. Yeah. tweet us at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour or if you've got a problem that you would like our help on you can find us Twitter, Instagram, Facebook all the socials we love to hear from you so please do get in touch uh, big thank you to Ruby Warrington author woo, of woo, Material Girl Mystical World thank you for joining us <laughs> I hope great. we will have you back again I'd love to come back <laughs> uh, coming up we are talking about our backdated badass women from history that you absolutely need to know about this one that comes from a literary background. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster, and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minton. I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell and it's that part of our show where we educate you. We bring a little feminism and brilliant women from history back into our daily lives um, and it's our backdated badass, a woman from history that you really need to know about. And introducing her this week is Natasha Lund, Features Editor at Red. Hi Natasha. Hello, thanks for having me back. Ah, thanks for coming back. Who are you talking about this week? So I am talking about Elizabeth Jane Howard, who was a novelist, and she died fairly recently, about three years ago. She was perhaps best known for writing The Cazalet Chronicles, which were a series of five books about an upper-class family in wartime England. Now, I think I heard about these books. They were on a BBC series, and I thought they might be a sort of Downton-esque look at the posh family lives Mm -hmm. in wartime England. But... When I read them, I discovered this woman who had a razor-sharp way of talking about the injustices that women faced in wartime England and writing these women whose characters were so nuanced. They're sort of 
they're weak and they're strong and they're moral and cruel and jealous and kind sort of all at the same time and I think often in stories it's the female characters who are stereotypically good or bad or worse sort of kept to the sidelines and that she you know we just need more female characters like these ones I think do you think, um, when I was looking at her, I realised that she had this quite short marriage, really, um, during kind of the war period, and she was divorced quite quickly afterwards. Do you think that maybe that kind of marriage and that feeling of being trapped with somebody that she didn't want to be with because she was a woman and that was what she was expected to do, did that feed into her writing? Yeah, I mean, she said of that first marriage before that if it wasn't for the war, she might not have married him. And I think you know, throughout her books from the younger women who sort of dream of having an education to the older women who maybe have ended up in a marriage and given up their career for it. All of the women who are affected by that war have given up something and lost something. And, you know, I think in some of her marriages, she has walked away from three husbands because, you know, in many ways, some of them were unequal and she ended up doing the cooking and the washing and the caring. Whereas her husband, someone like Kingsley Amos, his writing career was prioritised while hers was sort of a bit more neglected. So, yeah, definitely. And I think she has this amazing ability to get across the injustices that women were facing in the 30s and 40s, but also in a way that's sort of not so dissimilar from today, sadly. And I think that is one really important thing there about her husband, Kingsley Amos, because when I was reading about her, I instantly knew who he was. Mm. And mm. I've studied him and he was on my, you know, GCSE A-level reading list and I hadn't heard of her. And that kind of disrupt- discrepancy about how we treat male and female authors and the seriousness we give the issues that they address. You know, because she was really... Think... Go on, sorry. Well, no, I think anyone who's interested in hearing more about her should read Hilary Mantle's brilliant essay on her in The Guardian. And she... In it, she talks about this. I'm really obsessed with this idea of the hierarchy of subject matter. And particularly when it comes to war, you know, the countless books on war, on on bloodshed on the front line. And Mm. Hillary says, you know, warfare was more, was prioritized over childbirth, so both are as bloody, which I thought was a brilliant line. Because, you know, what I love about her is she acknowledged that on the kind of back home in the domestic lives, the kind of havoc that war was wreaking was just as significant as just as devastating. It just was, wasn't was valued as a subject as much as the more ma- masculine ones. It's true. You never hear about that. And actually, the we, I was having a conversation the other day with some people and we were talking about, you know, how w- women had been involved in society and took over all those man jobs. And, you know, we, we just don't talk about that. War, it's always the heroic front line, isn't it? But, you know, there's so much that would have gone on in these families. So it's very interesting that this has been brought to light by this author one of the things when i knew that i was like okay yeah i'm down with this is when i read that she wrote a book of short stories mr wrong in 1975 (laughs) so she was like even if you don't read this book just putting this on the title is letting you know that sometimes there is a guy and he is wrong for you and if you're not allowed to pick up this book and read it because you know it's the time that we're in just know it's okay there are mr wrongs in the world and i was like go we could probably right and Mr. Wrong 2.0 but the follow-up yeah. sequence and I think it is so easy I, I've certainly done it as a woman to sort of lose yourself in a relationship with a, in a man mm. and I think that's you know she said people kind of 
called her a bolter after she walked away from so many marriages. But she said, it always, it always takes some courage to divest yourself from the status quo, you yeah. know, to recognize when something's wrong and to pull yourself out of that relationship. And, you know, after her marriage with Kingsley Amos, it was the success she found with the Caslet novels. You know, I wonder if that would have happened within that marriage. I love that. Divest yourself, divest yourself from the status quo. Yes, that's a good It quote. takes courage. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. nice. I yeah. like that. Natasha, what was, it, then as well. what was it for you that particularly drew you to her? Well, actually, Sarah Manning, who's our literary editor and just knows everything about books, recommended that I read her. And I think, as I said at first, I did think that maybe it was a sort of Downton-esque look at it. And I I think from just 20 pages in, I was like, gosh, I underestimated this woman because she will sort of move from a chef's recipe about a sort of, you know, partridge for dinner that night to a young girl who's sort of coming to terms with the fact that her father is sexually abusing her. You know, it is that kind of, and also in wartime England, women who in their 40s got pregnant and were openly contemplating an abortion. Mm. And of course, their husbands were like, oh, you know, it'd be delightful to have another kid. And there's this long sort of passage where a woman is coming to terms with the fact that no, actually, no, I don't want this, you know, and, and she goes about investigating getting an abortion, you know, just these kind of stories of women's lives that deserve to be told. And she just does so in this way that's so real and visceral. Fabulous. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing her with us today. She sounds awesome. It's Elizabeth Jane Howard, author of the Caslet Chronicles, amongst many others. Natasha Lund, features editor for Red. Thank you so much. We loved hearing your backdated badass. Um, and if you have a backdated badass woman from history that you think we need to know about that we haven't covered, do tweet us at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour and tell us who they are and why we should talk about them because we're always looking for more brilliant women to learn more about. So we're coming towards the end of our show, but as ever, we like to leave you with a little something to think about for the week ahead, something to live your life by in the coming seven days. Uh, that is our badass principle of the week. Nat, what is it this week? Sorry, guys, I'm going to absolutely break the rules, and I know I say we never break the rules. No. It's I'm... three words, isn't it? <laughs> you might have noticed our badass principle is always two words. Whenever Emma and I suggest any more than that, <laughs> get shot down. So... It's mystical moments, but it needs take A to, that goes before to make the whole sentence make sense. So give it to us in total. Take a mystical moment. Nice. Mm, she's and it's all the spy, rules. I know. I'm sorry. And it's like it, so words, originally, it's like two seconds ago, it was supposed to be let go. Just so for people that are listening, that's, so it's supposed to be let go. But after listening to Ruby and you know thinking about Elizabeth Howard. I think that thing of taking a mystical moment, I can't remember the exact words Ruby said, but she's something about uh, a selfish highness. And do you remember? Oh, yes, a higher selfishness. Yeah. Oh, and I was just like, oh, that with the moon bit. And, you know, it's it's a grey day. Maybe something that we need to do is just sit with our mystical self feel the elements don't look at me like that and laugh feel <laughs> no i'm looking elements. at you with like i was prepped for let go and now <laughs> i'm like that's my thinking face all right well you can still respond to let go but and you can you can in the mystical moment you can let go of anxiety and any sadness or whatever but just take a moment um, so what's yeah. a mystical moment for you this weekend? What well, would it be? You know what? I, I'm well into mystical moments because for me, like, it's all about my 
my frame of mind and I find if I read my horoscope or if I draw a goddess card it just gives me a different perspective on the day so if I'm having a tough day I'll always pull like a goddess card and I'll always just sit and think about how I can think differently about that situation so I have lots of mystical moments so for me I was thinking about it when um when Natasha there was talking about Elizabeth Howard and I thought, gosh, the, just the sheer joy that I have when I can sit on a sofa under a blanket with a cup of tea reading mm. a really, really good book. And I don't appreciate that enough. And I get all caught up and I'm five episodes into a box set or whatever. And I don't appreciate the sheer loveliness that is that peace and quiet moment all to myself with a really, really good book. So this weekend I might be picking up the Caslet Chronicles, but I'm going to go and find something to nice. read and really enjoy it. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this show. It's been delightfully woo-woo. I personally have really loved that. like calm and chilled after today's show. Yeah, we're probably like going to go howl at a moon or something now. (laughs) Um, If you want to join us, if you want to come howl at a moon with us, you can find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or you can come talk to us individually. I'm at Harriet Minter, Nat. At Nat D. Campbell. Emma. At Emma Sexton. And we'll be here next week. Come talk to us in the meantime. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the socials. We'll see you otherwise here again on Talk Radio. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.